Thanks to LegalZoom for supporting The Motley Fool. Whether you want to take your business to the next level or take control of your family's future with an estate plan, LegalZoom is where to start. They're not a law firm, but their network of independent attorneys can help keep you on track. For special savings, enter FOOL at checkout. LegalZoom.com. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Wednesday, February 28th. I'm your host, Christine Hargis, and I'm joined via Skype by Fool.com healthcare specialist, Todd Campbell. Hey, Todd, how are you? Hi, Christine. I'm well. Glad to be on the show today. It's going to be a fun one. Yes, let's get right into it. Some news out of one of our most beloved biotech stocks, Gilead Sciences. Last Thursday, February 22nd, a collaboration between Gilead and Sangamo Therapeutics was announced. This licensing deal will use Sangamo's zinc finger nuclease, or ZFN, technology to edit DNA to develop cell therapies for cancer. You know what's really cool, Christine? I mean, we're going to get into a little bit more of the nitty gritty as we go forward. But you know, you think about where we may be heading in treatment from here, and the whole concept of being able to go in and actually replace or edit out, you know, these parts of our our genetic code that are faulty is truly quite amazing. I was thinking, hey, maybe they can actually make my hair not be gray, or <laughs> but I think that uh, they're going to focus more on on some. Um, much more important things early on. Um, you know, there are a few different ways that companies are researching gene editing. You've got um, zinc finger, which is something that Sangabo is doing a lot of work on. You've got uh, CRISPR-Cas9, which is another more recent development way of, of doing genetic editing. Um, and then you've also got Talon. And, you know, Gilead it seems to feel that, based on this recent deal, that its best option um, for next generation therapies is going to be using zinc finger. It's so interesting to me to see Gilead get into this business because it's only fairly recently that they've been very serious about pursuing oncology. And this seems to be their next step after purchasing Kite Pharma a while back for Kite's CAR T drug therapy portfolio. And now, in addition, they're going even one step further and they're looking at how what Sangamo is doing might, might complement what they're working on with Kite. Yeah, I think that's an important point. I mean, you know, Gilead's kind of always wanted to diversify itself away, away from its HIV franchise. And it went from HIV to hepatitis C. And then, of course, as anyone who's been following Gilead Sciences know, as they provided a functional cure for that disease, the patient population is shrinking and thus so are sales. And the company is having to find new ways, um, and new drugs, new new ways to expand into new indications and, and kind of replace that revenue. And you mentioned the deal last year to buy Kite. That was pretty transformative because it landed them, um, a, basically elevated them to the forefront of gene therapy, this this ability to take out a patient's T cells, re-engineer them outside the body, and then reinsert them uh, after about a 20-day period. Um, that is a pretty remarkable development. And you know we already saw them win approval of their first drug, Yescarta, last fall. I think what we're seeing now with this deal with Sangamo is them thinking, what's next? Because if you do a little bit of research and spend a little time thinking about gene therapy and use in cancer, uh, you'll see that it's a it's it's kind of crowded. Um, you've got players like Bluebird who are doing work on um, drugs for multiple myeloma uh, with Celgene. You've got um, um, 
Juno, which Celgene just acquired. You've got Novartis, which has another competing drug um, called Kimraya out there. And I think that Gilead's looking at Sangamo and saying, maybe we can use this zinc finger technology to go in and create uh, cells that we can, you know, use right off the shelf. So we'll no longer be able to have to take the patient cells, ship them somewhere else, have them re-engineered and ship them back. We could use it right off the shelf. That would be remarkable. Yeah, because right now, CAR-T therapy is incredibly cumbersome and it's very expensive because, as you mentioned, you're taking the patient's own T cells, extracting them, editing them, putting them back into the body. But Hopefully, with Sangamo's efforts, you can make a more off-the-shelf type of product pre-made by either healthy donor cells or from renewable stem cells. And this could be something that is already on hospital shelves and ready to go, as opposed to having to go through the entire process that CAR-T currently requires. Right. Sangamo has been working on this zinc finger technology for about 20 years, and it it's pretty much the, the primary patent holder of this technology. Um, and that differentiates itself a little bit from CRISPR-Cas9 because probably our listeners are asking themselves, well, why didn't Gilead go out and, you know, say, buy Editas or buy um, uh, CRISPR therapeutics or something like that to get involved in CRISPR-Cas9? Because obviously there's been a lot of attention spent by media on CRISPR-Cas9. What's the zinc finger thing all about? And I think that Gilead basically looked at it and said, well, we know that there's a risk of off-target when you're doing gene editing. And that could be kind of scary. You don't want to you don't have a situation where you jump in with CRISPR-Cas9, which is a relatively new technology. It turns out that there's a lot of off-target gene editing that goes along in using it. Since Zinc Finger has been researched for 20-some-odd years by Sangamo, it appears that Gilead Sciences thinks, hmm, you know, this could be, we could, we know better what we're getting into on a safety, from a safety standpoint. I think Sangamo's um, Zinc Finger nucleases have been used in uh, over a hundred patients in clinic, and you know, CRISPR-Cas9 is only looking to get into clinic. Uh, I think this year. And this is a surprisingly advanced company. They have a roughly two billion dollar market cap. They're working in ten different indications um, on on a whole range of different diseases. Uh, one that stands out to me is that they're working in both hemophilia A and hemophilia B. They have a partnership with Pfizer actually in hemophilia A, and we know that these are enormous markets. Both their A and B products are in phase one two development, so they have a lot going on. And yet, this still is a pretty big deal to the stock that it has this partnership now with Gilead. I believe on the day of the announcement, shares gained about 14%. Yeah. And, you know, if you look at it from just, okay, I'm an investor in Sangamo or I'm considering Sangamo, what do I want to do with this? What does this mean for it? Uh, Gilead's given them $150 million up front. And then, depending on, you know, regulatory milestones, sales milestones, developmental milestones, Sangamo can earn up to another $3 billion, and that's spread over a minimum of 10 different products. So do a little math there. So, you know, best case scenario is, is a maximum of, of $3 billion or $300 million per, per product developed by them. You know, that's not insignificant at all. Plus, they'll get royalties on any eventual sales. That being said, you know, we always had to temper back, tap, tap down some of that enthusiasm because, you know, we still need this. Nothing's in, you know, nothing's in clinical trials right now from Sangamo in cancer. So it's going to be a while before we have any idea whether or not 
um, zinc finger can be used in this way to develop these next generation drugs. We will, however, get a little bit of insight into the technology later this year when data comes out in Hunter disease or MPS2. Some point this year, um, they were hoping by the first half of this year, they'll be able to provide us a little bit more insight into how that trial is going. Um, and maybe that would help validate uh, uh, Gilead's decision. It's definitely, it's fascinating. It's fascinating times. I think it's a, it's a smart investment. Um, and you know, who knows, 10 years from now, uh, you know, th this could be the big thing or the standard of care and used to, to cure cancer. Investors and industry watchers have been pleading with Gilead for a while now to make acquisitions and to beef up their portfolio and their products using all this cash that they have. But that being said, because Sangamo is so early stage, I'm actually really glad that they structured the collaboration in this way, as opposed to an outright buyout, where now you have an initial investment and then milestones contingent on different uh, events that might happen along the way as this develops further. And there is huge upside, which I think they have captured with this. I mean, best case scenario, you get adoptive cell therapies breaking into solid tumors, and this would most likely be in combination with drugs like PD-1 inhibitors. You could even see one day this type of therapy getting into the treatment of other diseases. And these are also diseases that, uh, that Sangamo is working on. So I do see a tremendous amount of upside at pretty minimal risk to Gilead. Oh, 100% agree. They keep their optionality. You know, they, they I wouldn't be surprised. I, I know that Kite had a relationship with Bluebird Bio um, on some research into gene editing um, so that, that they've already got that kind of relationship. I wouldn't be surprised if you see Gilead sign other kind of relation, these kind of collaboration deals and spread itself around. Um, because again, we don't know which one of these gene editing approaches is, is going to end up becoming the, the safest, more, more favored of all of them. It's going to take a few more years for that to all shake out. There's no question, though, that Sangamo's uh, approach is, is the furthest along in clinic, and that does give it you know, a, an advantage. Absolutely. Now that the New Year's madness is over, it's time to work on your story for 2018, and LegalZoom can help. Are you looking to finally get serious about launching and running your own business? How about squaring away your family's future with the right estate plan? You can do all this and more with LegalZoom. They've been helping people like you take care of their dreams and responsibilities for over 16 years. LegalZoom's not a law firm, but they have all the resources to keep you on the right path, including advice from their network of independent attorneys, all at your fingertips. LegalZoom plugs right into your life without billing you by the hour, because at LegalZoom, all pricing is given upfront. Write your 2018 story now at LegalZoom.com. Use the code FOOL and get special savings. That's LegalZoom.com, code FOOL. LegalZoom, where life meets legal. LegalZoom.com, code FOOL. Since we've been doing this show, Todd, it seems like there's more and more overlap between the various sectors that Industry Focus covers, particularly with tech and healthcare, which is becoming more and more integrated every single day. In yet another example of the two sectors overlapping, CNBC reported yesterday, Tuesday, that Apple is opening a group of medical clinics for its employees and their families called AC Wellness. The lines are blurring, Christine. The lines are blurring. Yeah, technology and healthcare. Uh, definitely, I think we're going to be talking more and more about how um, we're going to be using technology to try and improve the healthcare system. You and I did the show recently talking about how Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, and J.P. Morgan um, formed a consortium to try and figure out how to drive down healthcare costs. 
And I think that, you know, Apple's latest move to create healthcare clinics for their own employees shows that um, private companies are very interested in figuring out whether or not they can do healthcare better. And obviously, there's a, a major need, Christine, right? Because we spend so much money on healthcare every year. Yeah, a lot of these major tech companies have so many employees that it ends up being a fairly large expense item just to take care of them. Studies report that health problems result in 69 million workers reporting missed days each year, and that reduces economic output by $260 billion. And so this is just one more indication, this this Apple initiative, that the large tech players have skin in this game and they want to throw some of their brains and some of their financial muscle around to try to cut down on those expenses and just give people a better experience too. I mean when you look at what they're trying to what Apple is trying to do with these wellness centers, it's not just dispensing drugs. It's not just going in for a regular checkup. It really does seem from early indications, which would be the website that they've propped up and some of the job postings that they're, they're, um, they've, they've announced that they're looking for people to fill. It's more comprehensive than that. They're looking for people who can do population health management and people who can design lifestyle plans for these Apple employees and their dependents in order to have a more holistic view of wellness. Hmm, yeah. And that dovetails very nicely into what we've seen out of Apple over the course of the last couple of years, talking about their plans for healthcare. You know, obviously they have the healthcare app and they're trying to get more and more people to figure out new ways to use um, their ecosystem to create uh, healthy lifestyle type solutions. And they're also internally spearheading all sorts of things. And we've talked in the past about you know, what they're trying to do with wearables, you know, the Apple Watch, being able to use that using the heart study in December that they announced, use that to try and ferret out whether or not you might be at risk of a atrial fibrillation. Um, last year, we also saw heard Tim Cook say that he was experimenting with an Apple Watch to, to track his blood glucose levels. Um, clearly, Apple believes that technology can contribute to uh, improving preventative medicine. And, you know, given the fact that we spend, you know, $3.3 trillion a year on healthcare, um, anything that can reduce healthcare costs, such as preventative medicine, would be a welcome advance. Yeah, and for now, much like the JP Hathazon uh, project, this is going to be limited just to Apple employees and their dependents. But who's to say what could come out of it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, what's really interesting is if you go back last year, CNBC was actually reporting that Apple was chatting with a company, a venture backed company called Crossover Health. And they are a startup that's making this that that is developing clinics for various private companies. And actually, Facebook and Apple were were customers of theirs. That deal fell through. But if they were talking to Crossover, it certainly makes me feel like while it may start out for Apple employees, they're thinking much bigger than this. They're thinking, how can we use healthcare to drive more people into our ecosystem? Yeah, it's so Apple of Apple. You know, they want to provide this start to finish type of experience where once you're a part of this ecosystem, there's no reason that you would leave it because it only gets more and more beneficial as they add more services. So, say you have an Apple Watch and you're monitoring your glucose through it. 
If then you also have the ability to go see somebody in a medical center that will look at that data with you and help you develop a comprehensive plan for how to approach your diet and your exercise to better manage those glucose levels, that's huge and that's super sticky. And this is exactly what you see when you look at both their hardware suite of products and also the services that they're adding on top of that. This is a really nice parallel with that uh, typical approach that Apple has taken to their revenue. Let's take that step one step further too, Christine, and think about how much how how much how many resources they have and their ability to analyze data and the steps that they're taking to um, in artificial intelligence. Uh, you know, in January, they announced a deal now where you can have your electronic health record in the Apple ecosystem. They cut deals with Athena Health, with Epic, with Cerner to tie it all together. So now holding your smartphone, tying it in with your watch, having your entire electronic health record in one place, and then being able theoretically someday to walk into an Apple clinic with all of that insight, wow. That could definitely shake things up. Yeah, it is super interesting to watch this all develop. And I'm particularly excited looking at the upcoming South by Southwest conference, which we'll be sending some Motley Fool analysts to. Every year, it seems like there's more and more health news coming out of this typically tech-centric conference. So I'm sure we'll only be getting more news items to cover both on this show, the healthcare show, as well as the Friday tech show. Yeah, you know what does scare me a little bit, though, Christine? Yes. <laughs> okay, so we know that Apple likes to have a contained silo ecosystem, right? It's not like you can access iTunes with your Android phone. Mm -hmm. And we know that Apple is, quote unquote, a premier product, right? I mean, I think in Q4, Gartner said that, that Apple's iPhones accounted for about 20% of total smartphone sales, right? Um, and their iPhone 10 is, is basically a break the bank premier product. Apple has, is investing a lot of money in their healthcare initiatives, and Tim Cook has said in the past that he feels that, that these are business models, uh, which is a, a, a contrast to what we're seeing with Amazon, J.P. Morgan, and Berkshire's um, uh, consortium, which they've said is they're going to make a nonprofit. What, what one worry, one thing we'll have to watch is just to make sure that it's not a case of Apple being able to go out and hire the best and the brightest minds in the industry and then put them into a siloed ecosystem that really only people who have access to Apple phones are going to be able to, to gain access to. Um, and, and I will admit, Christina, I'm a Samsung user. And um, when they announced the heart study, I was I was so intrigued that, you know, I, I may indeed switch over myself, but maybe that's not the case for everybody. Yeah, I mean, that's sample size of one, but still, I think that's fairly indicative. And that's kind of the point, too, of this business model is if you can lock up the best of the best in hardware or software, whatever it is, you're going to attract customers. And then you build this sticky web and you catch them and you, you keep them within your, your chamber, which is both brilliant and also, as you point out, kind of frightening. Yeah, and it kind of makes you wonder, too, what's going to end up happening with um, players like Samsung and, and some of these other large providers? Are they also that now going to start trying to figure out ways that they can partner up with in healthcare to try and make sure that they, they don't get left behind? Um, Apple's brilliant, and the, the, what they're doing here is brilliant, and it could significantly disrupt healthcare in fantastic ways. Um, but I guess, like anything else, right, we'll have to wait a few years and see how this all plays out. Yep, absolutely. And we will keep reporting back in the meantime. 
In wrapping up this week's episode, I will encourage everyone listening to find us on Twitter. We're at MF Industry Focus, or you can join our Facebook group. It's called Motley Fool Podcasts, and there you can connect with the whole community of listeners as well as all your favorite TMF analysts. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Austin Morgan. For Todd Campbell, I'm Christine Hargis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!